says tech can't be human. For me, controlling complexity is like seeing what different outlets can help me control the uncontrollables. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast. Glad to be back again. Our guest this episode needs no introduction. Our guest is Simone Biles, one of the most decorated Olympic athletes of all time. Simone, thank you for joining us on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Before we get into the conversation, we have to first say congratulations on the big life event you just had. You just got engaged. You got to tell us, did you know it was coming that day? I absolutely had no idea. It was right on Valentine's Day and he kind of tricked me. So it was kind of perfect because that day is supposed to be filled with love anyways and right. showered and spoiled and all that stuff. So we did all the right steps. So I had no idea I was going to be engaged that day. That is awesome. And I know family is such a big deal for you. So having someone that's brought into your family with such loving arms, I sure it was something special. You know, we talk about you all the time in the media. People know you as the Olympic champion. People know you as the gymnast, but I don't think a lot of people know Simone the person. Like, who are you to your core? What do you wish people knew about you that they don't know today? I think one of the main things that gets misconstrued through the media is that we don't have feelings. We're kind of really hard all the time. And granted, in our sport growing up, we have to be. But at the end of the day, I still have bills to pay. I still cry. I still have dogs. Like, I live a normal life, even though I just do really amazing things in my sport. I still live a normal life, and I have feelings. So I'm just like you guys. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's beautiful. One of the, you know, things we were really curious about getting to meet you is what are all the things that, you know, go into making Simone? Like, what are the things that you do when you prepare for going to the gym or just throughout your day? Like, what, what, what are some of the things that go into that? Obviously, a lot of good thoughts, a lot of positive thoughts, because the gym can be really scary and daunting sometimes. Just someone who trains 24-7, um, probably seven hours a day. I only get Sunday off, so I have to really protect my mental health and well-being. But other than that, um, surrounding myself with good people, which is my family, my friends, and just having an open mind every time I go into the gym that things might not go my way. And that's okay because that's a part of training and um, it'll be fine at the end of the day. A lot of things go into it, but it's it's very difficult to kind of explain because I'm in the gym so often and it kind of becomes autopilot. And so then I have to get myself out of that to kind of live a normal daily life. Makes sense. When you talk about going to the gym to be daunting sometimes, one would think that, you know, if you spend somewhere so much that it would become easy. It would be like a second home. But in fact, I mean, that is your place of work. That's where you go to put in the hours. That's where you go to push yourself. So tell us a little bit of how it can be daunting for you. Yeah. For me, I think because a lot of the time it is autopilot, we're still working on upgrades and all that stuff. We're working on competition seasons and some seasons matter a little bit more than others or some parts of the year matter a little bit more than others. I know for gymnastics, we kind of have two competition seasons. So one in the beginning of the year, that's just kind of to get back into the routine of things. And then at the end of the year, that's when more of our major competitions happen that qualify us to either world championships or the Olympic Games. And I think that's the crazier part about training. So every day we go into it, yeah, 
We're there for seven hours. It's very repetitive, but then at the end of the day, it should be a safe place. But then when you're working on upgrades and you're training for those competitions, it's like, it could be very daunting because you're trying to achieve a goal that you've wanted since you were like six years old. When you go at it that way and you're trying to ultimately reach this goal of maybe winning a gold medal or just winning competition, having fun at the gym or at your workplace, how do you control like some of the craziness that comes up in life? Every day when I go to work, there's always something that comes up, whether I'm driving to work or yeah. talking to Chris, like we always have something that comes up in our lives that derails our day, but we have like our strategies that get us back on track. What are some things that you use? For me, to be completely honest, most of it, it's like out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. So I try to ignore a lot of things just so I could focus on my craft. But at the end of the day, again, I have great people surrounding me. And one of the people that helped the most, um, if anything gets derailed, help get back on track would be my agent, Janie. So she's kind of like my lifesaver, my saving <laughs> grace. And if anything happens, I kind of refer to her or defer anything back to her so I could focus on my craft. And that's what your team is supposed to do whenever you're studying for something or you're training for something, they let you focus. And then if it needs your attention, then they bring it up. But other than that, most of the time for me, it's like out of sight, out of mind, because I can get very overwhelmed really easily. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I, I feel that all the time. I need as much help as possible yeah. because <laughs> I would forget yeah. everything all the time. And that was one thing that really stood out to me when we were speaking last time was that your reliance on your support system, your family, right. your friends. And I mean, that's really endearing to me because we can't do anything great by ourselves. Right. And so you have to rely on the people that are around you. Is there a story that you can think of that really just would highlight how much your, your family and your friends mean to you? I mean, I feel like since starting gymnastics, it's it's never been just me to achieve all of my goals um, and all of the dreams that I have. I feel like it's been my parents, my siblings, um, my brothers used to work at the daycare that me and my sister used to go to and they used to drive me to and from gymnastics, especially when my parents were at work all day. Um, and then we had one of the helpers um, at the daycare, her name was Nanny. She put in a lot of the work as well, driving me to and from practice and then for my parents to kind of take off days from their work to get me to and from all of my competitions, even if they were out of state. And then after that, um, they would always travel overseas as well because they knew that me seeing them in the crowd would make me more comfortable. And I felt like I would do better because those are my comfort people. Those are my people who I look to for the good and the bad. So they always traveled to all of my international competitions, never missed one, except for the Olympics, obviously, mm. because nobody was allowed to be right. there. But um, I feel like that's just a little glimpse into it. it I feel like it takes an army for me to be where I am. And people always ask, did you do it yourself? And I can never attribute all of my accolades to myself because it really was a team. It takes a team, it takes a village. Yeah. You can't really see whoever's viewing or listening that we have a whole team behind us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we couldn't have done it without them. I think that is so critical. And one of the things that we're looking at now is how to develop and build teams. I'm mm -hmm. sure you're in a similar situation where right. you're helping the next wave of gymnasts come up and maybe even other communities. Yeah. What does it mean for you to, like how are you approaching to build teams or communities and yeah. what are those teams and communities? For me, um, a lot of my teams and communities are with gymnastics because that has been a staple in my life since I was six 
years old and I'll be 25 next month. So kind of been a huge, huge part of my life. But other than that, I feel like it would be some of my um, sponsorships and my partnerships because leading from gymnastics, if I ever decide, hey, I'm going to retire, I also need teams to help me so that we can elevate each other's platforms and help each other. And I only partner with people I truly believe in. So I think that's really exciting. But the main um, thing is usually gymnastics, just because Mm -hmm. that's what I've done my entire career. Complexity is inevitable. Instead of avoiding challenges or being scared of failure, you have to focus on what you can control. So when the noise and chaos of life creep in, I breathe deep. I stay true to myself, and I remember who I love. That's how I control complexity. Want to learn more about controlling complexity from me, Simone Biles? Watch my video, presented by Axonius. Go to axonius.com Simone. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com slash S-I-M-O-N-E. Let's go back to the beginning. Was the, yeah. the initial aha moment when you took that daycare trip to, to the <laughs> gymnastics or was there a different point in your gymnastics career where you're like, this is what I want to do? Yeah, so starting off on that daycare field trip, I was six years old whenever I went to visit and some of the coaches there saw that I had potential. I had a great body build. Um, I was very hyperactive, so I had a lot of energy and they could see that my body build was just really good for gymnastics and what they were looking for. And they hadn't seen too many kids come through with a body build that I had. And they were like, okay, I think she'd be good at gymnastics, but I was also flipping around. So they were, they sent a letter home. And at that point, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, this is so much fun. This is really cool. And as I got older, um, I didn't really realize I had potential or I was going to be potentially great one day until I was about 15 or 16 years old. I made my first uh, world championship team. And once I got there, I was like, hold on, I'm here with other world champions and Olympians. And I was like, holy, I don't think I belong here. Like, this is not for me. But they were like, well, you really have nothing to lose at this point. Go out there, see what happens. And I went out there and I actually won the competition. And I was like, oh, maybe I do belong here. Maybe this is gonna be something good. And then every year since then, I improved and then I made my first Olympic team and all of that stuff. So when you realized that this was something that you could do, I mean, it it probably validated a lot of the feelings that you felt about belonging to something greater. Like I I belong to be amongst these champions. And that's something that I feel like as human beings, that's what a lot of people wanna feel. They wanna feel connected to a community. They wanna be connected to a cause. They wanna be seen as the individuals that they are. As you you went to almost the extreme to where now everybody knows who you yeah. are. You're you're very very visible. Tell us a little bit about that journey from going going from being seen to now you almost have this weight of the world that people are putting yeah. on your shoulders. I mean, I feel like that transition was really hard to get used to because at the end of the day, it was just like I was 16 years old, put on a global world stage, and I was like. I just want to do gymnastics, but now there are greater things that I have to speak out for, be a part of, be in the community and really give back. So that was really scary for me, but I knew that I had a lot of different outlets to turn to and one of them being 
foster care. So it was like, how am I going to be a part of the foster care community? I already have been since I was six years old and adopted. So that is very near um, and dear to my heart. So it's like, how can I work with foster kids? What can I give back? And then um, at that time, I partnered with mattress firms and we did multiple drives a year to give back to foster kids. And that was really special to me. So as my platform elevated, I was like, how can I be a part of these communities that have helped me so much and that I believe in. It was really exciting at that point, but it's still really scary because at that point, people want me to get on stage, speak out about all these different things. And I was like, I'm only 16, <laughs> I'm in high school. Like, I didn't know winning a world championship would do all of this and kind of turn my life around. But as scary as it was, it's really exciting. So I'm really happy that now I get to be a part of so many different communities and speak out on so many different things. Do you ever get nervous speaking in public? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do not like public speaking. Yeah. Um, nobody told me that becoming a world champion, Olympic champion, um, numerous times would be, have me put on this platform to mm -hmm. speak out. So now I'm like, oh. You know, I'd rather be in the back, but that's just not possible. One of the things that we have in common is the partner that we've chosen to partner with. Mm -hmm. We work very closely with Exonius. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we know that you recently started working with Exonius. Yeah. So how can you describe to us how that came to be? What was that like for yes. you? And Yeah, so for me, it was super exciting. Every time I get a new partnership, wanting to partner with me, we kind of look at their core values. And if they align with mine, then we're like, this is a great partnership. So once Axonius reached out, we looked at their core values, my core values, and we're like, hold on, these align perfectly. So how can we elevate each other's platforms and make this really, really exciting for the both of us? And that's exactly what we're doing and why I'm here today. So I think that's super fun. Um, I'm super excited to get started with them. This is my very first thing. So yeah. after this, we have a great dinner. Um, and then tomorrow we really get started. So I think if your core values align, then um, you decide if you want to continue that partnership or go forward. And we decided to go forward because I think it could be really great for both sides. Yes. Mm -hmm. The Exonius campaign is controlling complexity. Yes. And that's on the small end, the, the little adversities that we face on a day-to-day -day basis, right. or even on the macro level, mm -hmm. people that live their life in adversity. What are some of your own personal tenets for going through adversity, going through yeah. the tough times? For me, if you would ask me that question years ago, I would have been too stubborn. But now that I'm a little bit older, controlling complexity, I look at different outlets and how can they help me. So right now, say... Um, I go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm on medication and I'm not ashamed of that. So for me, controlling complexity is like seeing what different outlets can help me control the uncontrollables because it's destined to happen in different worlds. Um, so it's how you figure it out and work through it. So for me, that's it. But I also think of my life as kind of controlled chaos. <laughs> you don't see it because yeah. I appear to be very in control at times, but then behind the scenes, that's where it gets chaotic. And right. that's also okay for people to know as well. Right. One thing that's really standing out to me is almost like this idea of trying your best and mm -hmm. just moving forward with that. It sounds like that's how you won your first yeah. competitions, just doing your best. And now that you have this value system that you can yeah. like look and say, hey, if I'm following these values and my partners are right. following these values and I can just really rest and be assured that I'm doing my best. What are some of those values that, that you have in your mind and that you practice? So one of the main things that I practice, or at least I've been told, and it's kind of my mantra, my mom says it before 
every competition and it's be the best Simone. And if I go out there and my 70 is supposed to be my 100 or my 110 is my 100, mm. then that's what I get for the day. So it's not necessarily trying to be any competition. It's trying to be the best version of yourself whenever you're out there and go out there and show people what you've trained so hard to do. And that's what I've done for so many years. And I think that's why I've succeeded because I've only seen myself as a competition, um, no matter the circumstance. Mm -hmm. Showing up as the best Simone is really all you can ever do. I mean, that's all that I'm going to show up and be my best Simone. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, one thing that it really stood out to me was the bronze medal you got at this last Olympics. You were so proud yeah. of that bronze medal. Can you walk us through why you had so much pride for that medal? Yeah, because if you look at America and what we do, and once we go over to the Olympics, they're kind of like gold medal or bust, mm -hmm. but no Olympian goes into there thinking gold medal or bust. We're just trying to give it our best shot because we've been training some of us for over 20 years to get the opportunity to go represent the US. So for me, you couldn't tell me that that bronze medal wasn't a gold to me because right. I wouldn't have believed you. To me, my bronze <laughs> was gold. Yeah. And it's because I got up there, I did my best. I, I even had to downgrade my routine, but I gave it my best once I got up there and that's all I could ask for myself given the circumstance that I was under. When you are performing at the Olympics in front of hundreds of thousands and millions of people, how do you block out all of that noise? Yeah, so for us, um, if we're in the gym training and all of that stuff, we kind of prepare ourselves. So we do pressure sets beforehand so that once we go to world championships, international competitions, Olympic games, um, we kind of go on autopilot. You don't really hear anything. I think you choose what you hear. So for me, I hear my coaches, I hear my girls, and I hear my parents right before I go. <laughs> um, so I think it just is an autopilot thing, but it takes time to learn. Because whenever I was six years old, seven years old out there competing, God, I heard everything. I heard a pin drop. I heard the camera shutters. Ch -ch -ch. And so now as I've gotten older, it's something that you definitely have to learn. But even in everyday life, I just make sure I'm focused in on whatever moment it is for that amount of time and then goes back to normal. Beautiful. What is, uh, how, would, how would you describe a pressure set? A pressure set? So that would be a salute routine. So what you see uh, whenever we go out to competition, we salute, get on whatever piece of equipment it is, salute again. Mm -hmm. um, that's exactly what we do in the gym. And we have our coaches and sometimes even judges come in, judge us. So it's basically a mock meet. Okay. So we do a mock-up of the competition to see how we handle the pressure. For anyone out there that just wants to show up in their life as yeah. the best that they can possibly be. Obviously someone who's been extremely successful at what they do mm -hmm. and really just a role model for a lot of people out there in the world. What is that piece of advice that you would have for someone out there that wants to show up the best that they can every day? Yeah, for me, I think it starts with showing up because that's the hardest thing for people to do because they're always afraid of the fear of failure. So as long as you show up, give it your best shot that you have that day, each day, it will progressively get better and better. Usually here we ask for the folks out there that want to stay up to yeah. date with you and all the stuff you have going on, but it's really easy to find where you are. Obviously, you're all over yeah. social, great social media presence. But again, thank you so much for taking the thank time you. out of you're your busy welcome. schedule to talk with us. Yeah. This is great. You're welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Yes. And thank you, Axonius. <laughs> <laughs> Our first little project. Yes.